listening to a Sharesies podcast. Welcome to November. It's Monday the 1st. You're listening to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. If you didn't know, Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. And here is the financial disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day Alice. Hey Jose. Hey, I hear that you welcomed a new family member to your household in the weekend. You are absolutely correct. Uh, he is called Rooster and he is not a chicken. He is a lovely little dog, a little toy poodle cross. We picked him up on Sunday um, and he's really making himself at home by sort of peeing all over the place, but that's fine. Like, you know, we're just, we're just going to work through that. And I also had the pleasure of meeting Rooster just now over <laughs> sort of over video chat and he is very cute. Yeah, he was not impressed because he was having a bit, of a bit of a nap and I kind of just like bundled him up and brought him over to, to over to the computer. So and he just looked at me like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> we should probably crack into it. Yes. So kicking us off for the week because it's Monday, um, Westpac reported their full year results this morning. Yeah, Westpac of course being one of Australia and New Zealand's big four banks and they are listed on both the New Zealand and Australian stock exchanges I believe. Yeah, that's right. And the results today were for the full financial year ended September 2021. Mm, and how did Westpac go in their results? So net profit for the group, or that's the entire bank, uh, for the year came in at 5.5 billion Australian dollars. Now that's up 138% from 2.3 billion dollars last year. Now helping that figure was a 1.4 billion dollar impairment charge that the bank could unwind. So a bit like um, what we were talking about last week with ANZ, last year when the pandemic hit, the bank put aside money in anticipation for customers uh, not being able to pay their debts. But with the impact of the pandemic being lighter than uh, the bank expected, the bank actually unwound or sort of reversed $1.4 billion uh, worth of this expense, which boosted the bank's profit for the year. Okay, and what else happened with the bank's results? Well, another measure that banks like to report on is something called cash earnings. Now, Westpac said that they view this as a measure um, of the level of profit that's generated by ongoing operations. So Westpac's cash earnings for the year came in at $5.35 billion Australian dollars, which is about double last year's figures. And if we specifically look at the bank's New Zealand operations for a minute, how did they go? Yeah, so cash earnings for Westpac New Zealand came in at $1 billion New Zealand dollars. That was up 56% from last year. And Westpac gave a, a similar narrative for those results, sort of citing, um, you know, the improvement or the, the lighter impact of the pandemic than what they expected uh, and fewer customers sort of defaulting on their debts than what they initially thought. Mm. Uh, going back to the group's results, what did Westpac say about them? 
Yeah, so Westpac Group CEO Peter King said, uh, quote, despite another challenging period, cash earnings rose, the balance sheet remains strong, and I am pleased with our progress on making Westpac a simpler, stronger bank, unquote. Now, what he's referring to there is that Westpac has been putting a big emphasis on um, sort of returning to their core banking operations. So they've been selling parts of the business that are outside of sort of what a traditional bank does. So for example, in, in New Zealand, they sold their life insurance business early this year uh, to Fidelity Life. And how did the market react to today's announcement? Uh, well, despite those improvements in net, net profit and cash profit, Westpac's uh, results seem to have actually missed uh, expectations. So Westpac's share price fell about 6.5% this morning after the announcement was made. Um, reading an AFR article, it seems that an increase in Westpac's costs as well as uh, apparent pressure on their margins, uh, that all seems to have been contributed uh, to that reaction. Well, is there anything else worth noting from the announcement? Yeah, Westpac is paying a final dividend of $0.60 cents per share. And on top of that, the bank will be doing a $3.5 billion Australian dollar off-market share buyback. Now, that means that the bank will look to buy up to $3.5 billion worth of their own shares back um, from the market. Now, this is a bit, a bit similar to a dividend in that it's a way for the company to return cash to their shareholders. Great. Thanks, Alice. Okay, and up next, it looks like you have an update on a story about a bidding war across the ditch, Jose. I sure do. So way back in September, we actually talked about Osnet Services and the two companies that were engaged in a fight to take it over. Well, this morning, Osnet and its board advised the ASX that it had agreed to the deal offered by the Canadian asset management company, Brookfield. And that means that Brookfield had basically outbid its rival APA group. I remember this, and Osnet was really like stuck in the middle between the two, right? It sure was, and there were quite a few twists and turns. So this probably calls for a... Okay, so Osnet Services runs three energy networks in Victoria and Australia. 49% of it is publicly owned, around 30% is owned by Singapore Power, and the rest by State Grid Corporation of China. Now remember that because it'll be important later on. Now, early in September, the gas infrastructure company APA Group makes a bid for 100% control of Osnet. They start discussions, but then Brookfield slides into Osnet's DMs, offering $2.50 a share, outbidding APA by 18 cents. At which point Brookfield was allowed exclusive due diligence, or so I remember. Uh, what happened next? You've got that exactly right. So what happened next was that APA ups its offer to $2.60 a share, amounting to a bid of just under $10 billion uh, Australian dollars. But Osnet decides to let Brookfield continue looking at the books and potentially put forward a binding offer. APA then publicly criticises the Brookfield offer uh, and Osnet's conditional approval, at which point the takeovers panel in Australia says Osnet can't open its books just for Brookfield as it's anti-competitive. So APA is now also sifting through Osnet's data. And that was your... Okay, so where are we uh, at now with this? Yeah, so after going over Osnet's books late last week, Brookfield increased its offer to $2.65 a share, and that was enough for the board and the company's major shareholder, Singapore Power, who both agreed to the offer. And does that mean that the deal is now done? 
not quite. There's still a bit of a question mark over it. Remember the state grid of China and their 20% stake? Well, any bid for Ausnet will need to be signed off by the Foreign Investment Review Board and the Treasurer. Now, state grid actually got blocked in 2016 by the then Treasurer Scott Morrison, he's now obviously the Prime Minister of Australia, for taking a uh, 100-year lease of a power grid asset in uh, New South Wales. Now, it's suggested in the financial, uh, the Australian Financial Review today by Lachlan Molesworth, who was an advisor to Morrison at the time, that state grid may not agree to sell its state because it might not want to lose access to Australia. It's obviously quite difficult to, for it to get a toehold in the country. And of course, uh, we'll have to wait and see how APA will react as well. Um, we'll definitely let you know when that happens. So to round us out today, I have some news from a company listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. All right, so which one is that? So this news is from a company called Arbogen Holdings. Uh, they are the largest global commercial supplier of tree seedlings. So they provide um, tree seedlings to like forestry companies. Now they also describe themselves as a leading provider of advanced genetics for the forestry industry. Uh, so the, the company operates in North America, Brazil and Australasia. And as I just mentioned, um, they are listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. I see. So what is uh, Arbogen's news today? Well, it's actually about their Australasian business. So Arbogen announced this morning that they're going to be selling their Australian and New Zealand businesses. Now, this, moves come, this move comes after the company announced back in June that they had received an offer for the company, and that led Arbogen uh, to undertake a strategic review. And what does all that involve? Uh, so a strategic review, or in Arbogen's case, this involved them exploring different options that they have for the future of the company uh, that they could use to unlock value for shareholders. Uh, so the options that Arbogen said they looked at were, um, one, a potential sale of their entire company, two, uh, divest, divesting or selling some of their assets, or three, um, even doing a US listing. And so that ended up with Arbogen deciding to sell their Australian and New Zealand businesses? That's right. So who's buying those businesses? The purchaser is a consortium or group of New Zealand investors called Geyser Limited Partnership. Now, the announcement said that the group is predominantly made up of charitable trusts and private families, uh, but it is led by someone called Hugh Fletcher, who is a former director of Arbogen. And why are they selling these parts of the company? Well, Arbogen said in the announcement today that they believe that the money they receive uh, from the transaction can be better used elsewhere. So specifically, they noted the higher growth markets in the US and Brazil. Now, for context, uh, Arbogen's Australia and New Zealand businesses are operationally separate and significantly smaller than their US business. Uh, so for this financial year, Arbogen has forecast Australia and New Zealand to contribute around 15% of total revenue. And on top of that, um, Australia and New Zealand have lower growth than the other parts of um, Arbogen's business. All right. So how much are the Australian and New Zealand businesses being sold for and how is Arbogen going to use the money they receive from the sale? So the deal's worth $22.25 million New Zealand dollars, and that will be paid in cash. So Arbogen cited a number of things that they plan to do with that money, including investing in and expanding their high-growth US and South American businesses. Um, they said they'll also use some of the money to explore investment into new growth opportunities, and they'll also repay some debt. And lastly, how did Arbogen's share price react to this news? Well, at the time of recording, Arbogen was trading up about 5.4% for 
the day at 30 cents per share. Thanks very much, Alice. And thanks so much for listening. That was Recap for the 1st of November. We would absolutely love it if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. Mā wa. See you tomorrow.